Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is high-level wisdom for new generation leaders. We interview senior-level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Chris Williams. I am your host for High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us today to episode six. If you have not had an opportunity to hear our first one through five episodes, I would highly encourage you to listen. Uh, go back. You can go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com, or as you're on the podcast, you can go and listen to our first episode, which is our launch episode, where we kind of gave you the foundation of what we're doing here. And then we also had the CEO of Outward Media. We also had the CEO of Marriage Chocolate Confectionery. It was awesome. And so today I have somebody that is very, very influential in their space and what they're doing. And they've built a company that has a very close perspective on not only education, but also what it looks like to the workplace now for millennials. And so let me just kind of set the scene here for you. Imagine if you could go from 300 customers to over 4,000 in a decade. Imagine if you go from 40 employees to 800. That'd be pretty cool, right? But listen to this number. Imagine going from in one decade, $3.5 million in sales to close to over a hundred million. Yeah, I'm going to let that sink in for a little bit. You are getting ready to listen to the CEO of Vista College. His name is Jim Tolbert. He was fascinating. It's a great interview. You're going to learn about his insights because he owns a college. This college is an accredited for-profit post-secondary education institution. It's basically designed to really help non-traditional students to be able to go into entry-level careers and or change their careers, whether you do it online and or at their campuses, which they have them all over Texas. They've got some in Arkansas and New Mexico. And so it is a growing, vibrant institution of education. And this gentleman took his time to be able to talk with us. So without further ado, I want you guys to sit back, listen to the interview. This is my interview with the CEO of Vista College, Jim Tolbert. Sure. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can obviously spend two hours uh, answering your question. I'll give you the five-minute version of it. Uh, it's been a very exciting journey along the way. I, I started off sort of what I would call a very traditional you know, business school background. I, I went to Wharton undergrad. I spent three years at uh, in investment banking at Morgan Stanley doing M&A. Went back to business school at Chicago, spent six years at McKinsey. And when I was at McKinsey, decided, you know, as a lot of uh, consultants do, um, you know, to try to, to try to do something entrepreneurial. So my first venture out of, 
out of sort of that uh, more traditional background was to start a company that provided financing for students that went to the types of schools that I have today. And by the way, my schools are called Vista College, uh, based here in, in, in Texas. We have 10 campuses in Texas, New Mexico, and Arkansas. Uh, but, but, but started down that path of getting into this post-secondary, very, you know, specialized area of, of sector of education based in part on where I grew or how I grew up. My dad had career schools in the Baltimore, Maryland area called the Medic School. And kind of based on the work I did at McKinsey, based on my background, decided to get into this, into this field. From there, uh, that led me to uh, becoming uh, both an investor as well as the chief financial officer of a group of schools based in Birmingham, Alabama called Virginia College. Uh, we successfully grew that with a private equity firm and exited that investment in 2004. And upon uh, that exit, I decided to leave, start my own company, and, and that was sort of the genesis of Vista College. With the backing of that same private equity firm, a firm called Prospect Partners out of Chicago, I, I then endeavored to find a platform to acquire, which is a, a typical way of, of, of working with a private equity firm, acquiring something as sort of the de novo strategy as opposed to just literally starting something from scratch. So spent a, a lengthy year looking for an acquisition and was incredibly fortunate to find a school in El Paso, Texas. I, I was rather geographically agnostic at that point prior to the acquisition, was literally looking all over the United States, but was very fortunate to find this school called Computer Career Center in El Paso, Texas. And that was sort of the, the, the journey that began in 2006 that you began um, the, the outline of. And from there, uh, it has been a, an exciting journey. We continue to open new campuses, first going into Las Cruces and then Amarillo and Lubbock, Beaumont, Colleen, College Station, uh, and then most recently opening up a school in Fort, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. We also have an online division, although our online students only represent about 10% of our student population. The majority of our students are attending one of our campuses in the, in the, in the cities that I, I, I mentioned. You asked about non-traditional students. Non-traditional students tend to be older. They tend to be working adults, uh, individuals who have gotten to a point in their life and their career where they're saying, hey, I need more skills, career-based education, and they have found places like Vista College and schools similar to ours uh, to help enhance their school set for career success. I would attribute our growth and our success to us meeting a really important need in our economy. Uh, and that's sort of entry-level middle skills training. There's a lot of employers that are desperately looking for skilled employees. There's a lot of people that are looking for career success and training to allow for that. And we are sort of that, that, that middleman that helps employers find skilled graduates and helps individuals get the skill set they need for a rewarding career. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by that because I, I think one of the things that w w was unique in our first initial discussions about even the podcast and kind of where we're going is that you're, you're dealing with a, 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 a group of folks who, who are looking, as you mentioned, for those secondary skills. But more importantly, you've had this journey to where you're working with those who are looking for a certain set of skills today. <laughs> they don't necessarily need them for 10 years from now, they need them right now. Some people that I'm sure I can imagine who are coming to you are even probably retooling, uh, you know, if they're reinventing their careers or uh, maybe I would even venture to say, do you do you even have maybe some students who just didn't choose the traditional route for school altogether? 
Absolutely. And and that is that's sort of a big sort of reason why we exist. And when I sort of introduce myself at a cocktail party or whatever, and I say, what do you do? It's amazing what the knee jerk response is for most people. It's, it's, we're so glad you exist. Not every person is destined for traditional higher education and nothing could be uh, more true than that. There are a lot of people for whom a four year bachelor's degree is just not the right path for them. Now, obviously, the military is a wonderful option for a lot of individuals. But for a lot of people who just want to enter the career field, our programs tend to be shorter in length. They're nine months. We, we do uh, offer our students access to federal financial aid for those who qualify so that they can help pay for education. And the fields that we're training for, and this is a very important part of our value proposition and our strategy, are our high demand careers. So our single largest area of study is in healthcare and specifically medical assisting, medical billing and coding, dental assisting. These are very popular programs uh, given both the incredible demand for healthcare workers in this country as well as the, the, the very rewarding both financially and otherwise these careers offer to a lot of individuals. But in addition to healthcare, we also do the trades. We have HVAC, electrical programs. We're in the process of starting a welding program. We provide training in cosmetology, business, and information technology. But truly, going back to what I said earlier, what is absolutely key to our success is there's a high probability of our graduates finding employment relatively quickly. And that's exactly why they come to Vista College. Wow, that 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 is amazing. So the, the the greatest thing that I think that you have for our audience today is to be able to share um, your perspective, not only just from being a CEO, but I would say also um, the fact that you have that educational bend that could probably help our audience out today. So, you know, I, there's a couple of things that I really want to get into. And I think just to start, what I would like to know is, is that over your your course of of growing, building yourself over the time that you've put in in order to even build uh, Vista College today, you've seen a change in dynamic in the workplace. You've you've watched it. You, you know what it was like when you were in it. And you're also now able to see it from the landscape, because I'm sure employers are coming to you all the time, sharing what their needs are. As you mentioned, the highest demand that you're seeing is in healthcare. So my question is, when we talk about the millennials entering the workspace and when we talk about how that how that looked and, and, and more specifically, the, the, the older millennial, as I would call it, the 25 to 35 year old, how has, how has what you've seen in your observation, how has the impact of the millennial coming into the workspace changed workplace dynamics in your opinion? Great question, Chris. And, and, and I think there's at least three areas that as we work more and more with millennials, we are seeing them having a profound impact on the on the way we do business. The first is their comfort with technology. Uh, so much of what we do today, as with any company, frankly, is is technology driven. Whether it be web based, whether it be cloud based, whatever, what what have you. And, and and the millennials today have have absolutely you know have grown up with this technology. They have an incredible comfort for it. And 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 while you know you can teach a baby boomer like me you know the technology, it's not as ingrained I think as it is with with our younger employees. So I think they play an absolutely critical role in integrating technology into our business. The second thing that I think the millennials have done a great job of is helping you know. Folks think about work-life balance. You know, I absolutely, and particularly given the career fields that I, I started off in, 
um, you know, the work-life balance was 90% work and 10% life, if that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. today's younger people are saying, listen, there's more to life than, you know, what the grind you guys went through. And, and, and we want to, you know, kind of spread that culture. So there's a number of changes we've made within our company you know, to help, you know, attract talented people who have that, that inclination. And then probably the last thing that I would give credit the credit to millennials for helping us as a company succeed is is a great desire among younger people to have more than just a paycheck as a reason to come to work. They are really looking for their employer and their career to give a, a little bit deeper meaning. Uh, Simon Sinek is famous for his famous TED Talk where he talks about the why of a company. Yes. But I think that was you know, one of the more impactful you know, TED Talks I've seen, and we took it to heart as a company. And the senior executive team and I went off-site. We said, listen, we owe it to our employees to, to articulate clearly why they come to work every day. And frankly, I think we came up with a fairly powerful statement. And our why is we create opportunities. We create opportunities for our students. We create opportunities for the employers that hire our students. And we create opportunities for people who work at Vista College. So you'll see on our business cards, on the walls at our campuses, on T-shirts, we create opportunities. And I really do credit the millennials for pushing us to be, to go to the, to go through the exercise of articulating that. That, that's awesome. And I think one of the things that becomes very apparent no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, is that within the 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 career of someone, this, the demands change kind of what you need, as you mentioned. Right. It's not just about the paycheck. And so there is more of a, even a social responsibility that uh, millennials are bringing to the table when you start talking about the, the changes in the workforce and, and the ecosystem and even just coming to work every day. but. You know, one of the things that I've always I've been looking at and I would love to get your perspective on is kind of the the uh, the gaps, the struggles that 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 you you may see. And in your space, I'm sure that you see it from an educational standpoint, maybe even from just um, just a personal level. So share share with our audience a little bit about what you see as the owner of Vista College are some of the the, the gaps that baby boomers may have, even if they're, let's just start there. Maybe if they're retooling, they're, they're reinventing their career. What kind of gaps do you see them having that you guys try to fill when they come to you at Vista College? Well, you know, the, the, you know, one is, you know, you know, the skill set aspect of it, being able to think about their career in a long term, being able to sort of think strategically about where do I want to be and, and how am I going to get there? And, and, and really having that long-term perspective, you know, I, 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 I sort of, I am going to risk Chris being sort of a cranky old man with my next <laughs> comment. You know, I think the other thing that the, the millennials have had and, and is, is, is sort of this, um, every kid gets a trophy upbringing. And, and, and in some ways, I think that's good. You know, you grow up in, you know, junior soccer and every kid gets a trophy for participation. But then there's sort of this expectation of, hold it. I showed up at work every day. Where's my trophy? And it's like, you know what, guys, it's a little bit more competitive than that in the real world. And, and, and there are, unfortunately, to be blunt and, you know, stark, there are winners and losers in the workplace. That's right. And not every employee gets the trophy. Right. You know, the people that want to invest the time and the effort to get ahead and do a good job will get rewarded. And those who chose not to chose, 
choose not to make that investment will get treated otherwise. And I think that is one of the struggles we have or the disconnects, as you as you mentioned, um, in, in, in the in the two generations. So with that particular struggle, how do you how do we close the gap? In, in your opinion, how do we get to a place where because something caused it? You know, I always kind of think of cause and effect. Right. Anytime I, I see something that becomes a, a consistent issue, I realize, well, there's a cause for this issue. So what do you think probably caused that? But then more importantly, how do you think we close that gap? Well, you know, part of it is just, you know, time and experience and age and maturity. I think as people got to get 10 or more years into their career, they either are where they want to be or they're not. And they're going to sort of step back and go, okay, why aren't I further along in the company? Why aren't I have a more senior executive role? And hopefully along the way, you know, a mentor or a supervisor or whomever will be able to say to them, hey, here's what you're going to need to do, you know, to get ahead in this company. And, you know, it's doable and it's possible. But it's also not going to be handed it, handed to you, and you're going to have to make sacrifices along the way. You know, you ask me causes. I, 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 you know, again, I'm not a sociologist. I'm not even an economist. <laughs> but if I had to sort of hypothesize what, what they are, one is this, you know, every kid gets a trophy mentality. Right. I really do think, you know, that has had a huge impact on this next generation. But the, the other thing, too, is, you know, I think our our country has been blessed with pretty full employment, you know, for the, for the last 20 or more years, you know, with obviously with a couple of exceptions, you know, in 2008 and whatnot. But overall, we've had a very robust economy. There has been full employment in a lot of in a lot of geographies in this country. And people have been able to been choosing. You know, people have been able to job hop every two years. Well, this isn't working out. I'll go try something different. And, and, and I think to a certain extent that, that background has given people this attitude of it's all about me as opposed to here's what I need to do to invest. Absolutely. And, and you touch on something that I think a lot of people, I, I don't know if maybe they're, they're, they're afraid to, to say, I, I feel like my hair's on fire, but you know, here on high level wisdom, I, I like to try to talk about the things that seem to be difficult in the workplace. And I, and I think what you're speaking to, is kind of the 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 thing that keeps an HR exec up at night because one of the things that that uh we really want to be an advocate for we want to shine a light on and that we're looking for this podcast to do is to it is to help bridge the the knowledge gap and, and so and by that I mean I, I think it's very important for for our audience to understand no matter whether you're sitting in HR going through the hiring and the and and the losing of a, someone who's retiring or whether you're an emerging leader you're in that 25 to 35 range and you're you know you're looking to get to a new place or whether you're a baby boomer looking to retool i think that this next portion of conversation is important because i think what keeps hr folks up at night is the fact that you know susan's getting ready to retire and she just raised her hand and she says she's leaving in 6 months <laughs> and all of a sudden You've got this mad dash to be able to drain as much information as that person has before they walk out the door. Meanwhile, the millennial is sitting there in the wings kind of waiting and that 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 knowledge transfer can't really happen in, say, six months. As you mentioned, right, it, it takes time um, for you to get better at your job or get better at your particular skill set or, or gain new experiences. And and so I feel like from what I've heard and the different people I talk to that 
HR folks are really stuck in the middle of this of this transfer between the baby boomers, 10,000 retiring a day and the millennials now 52 percent of the workforce. What would you say to someone sitting in HR who's facing this situation right now? What could they begin to do? What types of tips and advice would you give them based on what you see coming through your door who are uh, who are looking for education uh, from Vista? Well, you know, I, I think there's there's sort of two two ways to answer your question. Uh, you know, the hard skills and the soft skills. The hard skills is and what you just described is happening frankly, in so many industries and in so many companies today, whether it's in nursing, with where, where exactly what you just described, you're having this huge sort of cohort of people retiring from the nursing industry, you know, whether it's plumbers who are leaving and retiring, you know, there's a whole slew of, of, of people and, and, and that need to be replaced that have created a skill set over decades of a working life that is going to be very difficult. So I think one of the things I would tell an HR department, just for the hard skill part of it, is you know either partner with a school like Vista College to make sure that you do have the employees that you can put into place that do have the hard skills, or you better be you know really looking at recruiting you know people who have exited school or in the workplace and have a a very thoughtful recruiting plan to to backfill those that, those hard skills. So that that's sort of one answer to the question because what I have not seen in the United States is a lot of employers investing money in hard skill training of their employees. And that's why that's why schools like Vista College exist, because we're filling that incredibly important gap in this country between the supply and demand of hard skills. So beyond the hard skills is, is kind of the soft skills training. And, and this is something as an employer and not as a college, we spend an awful lot of time thinking about and investing in our employees. So, for example, you know, when someone who is a you know very good at, at whatever you know technical skill they have, be it in our financial aid department, in our admissions department, or what have you, but when those individuals get promoted to be supervisors, for example, that's a whole other skill set. You know that 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 some people have naturally, frankly, most people don't. And if employers ignore the, that soft skill training, leadership training, supervisor training, conflict resolution. There's a whole slew of skill sets that I would put under that soft skill training. If employers ignore that, don't assume it's going to get done automatically or everyone's just going to have the intuition to figure it out themselves. I think employers are going to have to invest in that training for their employees, the soft skills as well as the hard skills. Absolutely. And 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 I think in terms of soft skills, I even think about the ability to handle increase, increasing demands. I think it's a conversation that's not talked about enough um, inside of inside of companies. I think that learning how to deal with the the stress related situations that kind of come up that last over a duration of time is very, very important to, to the growth. And so, you know, you you talked about that hard and soft skill piece there. I'm I'm curious to get your ideas and thoughts on kind of what we can, what millennials and baby boomers can learn from each other. So share with me maybe a little bit about what do you feel an emerging leader can learn and gain from a baby boomer that might be important to their leadership if they, you know, found relationships within their career to 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 grow with what what could they gain from from having a baby boomer as, as a as a friend in the in the in their career? That, that's a great question. I think there's a number of things, and as I look at my career and the things that I've learned over time, and what I would love to you know 
the, the 2017 gym would love to go tell to the 1990 or the 1985 gym. Boy, I gotta, I'd have a lot to teach myself. You know, <laughs> what, what is, you know, just having the perspective, uh, sort of a higher level perspective on, on business issues and understanding sort of unintended consequences and secondary, you know, implications and things like that. You know, you're not only trying to, you know, look through a straw and solve a problem. You have to be more holistic and just sort of understand all the other implications of it. Being patient in problem solving, you know, really going through the, you know, here's what I know, here's what I don't know, here's the pros, here's the cons. And at the end of the day, you know, you don't deal with a lot of easy decisions in life. You deal with hard decisions. And the more senior you get, the harder those decisions are. And being able to go through a thoughtful, you know, non-frantic decision-making process, I think, is is a great skill set. The, the, the other thing that I think would be sort of an important skill, you know, an important lesson learned is, is the importance not only of IQ, but EQ. You know, particularly when you're in school, IQ is, is, is disproportionate to EQ. It's about doing well on tests and getting good grades and getting all that stuff, all of which is very important. What is, however, equally important is the ability to, to, to work with others. A lot of work-based situations are team-based and, and, and being able to sort of have a, a holistic, you know, pro, as I mentioned before, problem solving and being able to leverage other people. Those are skills that, again, aren't necessarily taught in school well, but as you get to be more senior in your, in your profession are, are far more important skills. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you there. And I think that, um, you know, for for the for the baby boomer, even what would you say that they could actually gain from having solid relationships with millennials inside of the workplace? OK, well, it, it's it, and I'm dealing with a perfect example now. So I one of the things that I do as the CEO of my company is I go out to our various locations and I do sort of a town hall meeting and state of the company speech. And and one of the things I really appreciate is working with uh, one of the one of the young men in our marketing department who I think easily falls into this millennial category. And I'm looking to him to say, okay, tell me how to most effectively communicate with the team. I know how I would want to be communicated to, but that doesn't mean that's the best way to communicate with the team. And I think he has been an incredible, incredibly helpful to me in being a more effective communicator by saying, these are the messages that are going to resonate. Here's the delivery mechanism. Here's some humor that might work in your presentation. And, and I think our partnership has, has really uh, helped me significantly. Wow. That's... <laughs> That's uh that that's really really interesting. And and you know, when I think about that in in terms of obviously for you because you guys haven't grown to 100 campuses, right? It's it's it it's a little bit easier for you to be able to to gather that. But do you do you feel that maybe some leadership is a little afraid to to kind of hear that sort of feedback on a consistent basis maybe from from uh from younger cohorts inside of their organization? Yeah, I, you know, but as I always say, one of my favorite saying is, you, you, you know, do we want to do it your way or you, do you want to do it the right way? And 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 I do think there is some pushback. And I've got to tell you, there was something I got a lot of pushback on recently that I had to get my head around. We, as we always think about wanting to be an outstanding place to work and 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 uh, motivating and and engaging our employees is very important to the success of our company. And I think most CEOs would say, yeah, of course, you know, everybody wants to do that. But how do you do that tactically? How do you do the things 
that are going to really energize your team is is really a challenge, you know. And again, there's the classic or stereotypical, oh, we got to have foosball machines and beer on Friday. Well, it's not our culture. That's not what <laughs> right. we do. But, but, you know, I'll tell you one of the things we've been doing, you know, we've been investing more in is more time off. You know, you know we do birthdays, uh, PTOs. We do we do getting off early on Fridays. And, and again, it, not in a million years would I say, yeah, that's what I want in my workplace. That's clearly what younger people want today is, is they really value their time off. And I really had to get my head around giving people more time off was the way to get more productivity out of people. And, and, and I, I, I must admit, I struggled with that. Wow. Wow. That's and and I'm sure for you, um, it wasn't just necessarily this this struggle of this sounds ridiculous, but more importantly, I think the struggle just is because, you know, like you mentioned, when you were at McKinsey, you come in, you work, you put your head down, you probably do your 14 hour days and you don't there are no demands as an employee. <laughs> your, your demands kind of come from the top down. And so to be able to allow a bottom up approach, I just think speaks well to, to your leadership. But then also, um, I think you're speaking to something that is very important for for any leader out there to be able to hear is that sometimes the the, the best advice that you can give is the kind that you heard. And, 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 and that might be a hard pill to swallow sometimes, uh, when, when you are the decision maker. Uh, but, you know, I applaud you for that. And, I, and I'm sure what's probably more interesting is that you probably get more productivity now <laughs> out of people just by instituting two little small things. Am I right? Absolutely. And, and, and again, the feedback that I've gotten on the birthday PTO and the happy Fridays, as we call it, has just been incredible. I'm like, okay, <laughs> glad it's working. So. <laughs> All right, that wraps up another episode. This is part one of my interview with Jim Tolbert. He is the CEO of Vista College Secondary Education. As you can hear, he has a very spirited belief and thought process, not only just around education, but more importantly, millennials in general. And so I'm very thankful for his interview and for his time. Uh, If you would like to hear more of this, feel free to Go check out our website, highlevelwisdom.com and or flip through the podcast. You can hear other episodes. The second part of my interview with Jim will be in just a few short days. So sit back, relax. We'll make sure that we'll keep you comfy with a lot more coming up. Please feel free to leave us a review. Share with us your insights, your thoughts, what you think about the conversation. Let's take this further than podcast. Write us a comment. Leave us a message online. Share this with your friends on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at High Level Wisdom. We'll see you in the next episode. Are you looking to further your education? Maybe you've been in the workplace for a while and you need to brush up on some skills. Maybe you've never gotten your degree. Well, Vista College is for you where we create opportunities. Feel free to visit vistacollege.edu. That's the vistacollege.edu for more information on how you can begin to create the opportunities for the next phase in your career. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.